When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It's a very, kind of very unique experience playing a character that you know this tragedy is is sort of looming and you are playing against it as an actor at times, but you are also just carrying that somehow, you know, this inevitable loss. And it's, it's a strange, quite heavy place to exist in, and I was ready to release some of that. The Crown star Elizabeth Debicki, who plays the beloved Princess Diana, says she felt the heaviness and weight of playing the late icon. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Elizabeth Debicki about playing a tragic real-life figure like Princess Diana. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we look at the race as Emmy Phase 1 voting begins, what shows benefited from the FYC campaigns, and so much more. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Well, greetings and salutations, everyone. I am TV editor Michael Schneider from Variety and Variety.com. Uh, HTTP colon slash slash www.variety.com along with Emily You didn't put Longoria. an S at the end of HTTP. That doesn't oh. make it secure. Oh, I'm not secure. I am I am a mess. I am definitely what not secure um, right now. Coming from insecure, Mike. <laughs> I'm a disaster. Emily Longoretta. Hello. Coming from Zoom, me and my cat. We're, we're here, ready to go. Yep. We've got a special guest star this week, Emily's cat. Uh, whose name is Dick Wolf? Sly. No, Sly, yes. yes. <laughs> Not <laughs> Dick Wolf. If you have another cat, it will be named Dick Wolf. <laughs> it will be Wolf. It'll be it will Wolf. go through some of the Law and Order characters before yes. Emily's life is <laughs> done on this earth. <laughs> I knew it was an old white dude. I just couldn't remember which one. Uh, so, <laughs> you know my oh brain. So Jazz Tanke. Hello, Jazz No Mates. I have no cat here. I'm home alone. I heard Jazz on another podcast last week. She's, she's cheating on us. I'm she's cheating. Unacceptable. Yeah. She was with some other people giving her insight. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Save only it us. For, save it for us. Yeah. And the one and only, the maestro of predictions, the man of the hour as voting gets underway, Clayton Davis. There's no voting. We don't vote in this country. Rock the vote. <laughs> rigged. It's all rigged. It's all rigged. Let's not put that in. Yeah, the- let's, yeah listen. <laughs> we can get We're two guests on here that really no. co-sign yeah. on that thought. No, no. Not there may be other organizations, but this one is pretty straight. Uh pretty pretty, yeah. pretty straight and narrow. So shout out to the TV Academy. Uh but yeah. Voting begins today, Clayton. That's it. That's it. We're done. We're done. Uh, wait, we we have this is the most appropriate place to start. The fact that we even can vote is because Emily Longaretta has released EE issues all, along the way. <laughs> she, she is the one who is given credit because I have to just say, Daisy Jones and the Six cover might be my favorite cover of the year so far. Shout out to our photographer Dan Dobrowski who just slays every single one. That cover, the photos on that is so great. And then the story that Mike wrote for Mrs. Davis cover story, have to give that a shout out because it's our first byline for chat GPT. And it's terrifying because it's getting into the problem. Mike is. 
a few years from now, when we're all out on the street, you all can look at me and say, hey, Mike, remember the time that you, you gave know, it a byline? I thought it'd be fun you to give ChatGPT a byline. This is your fault, Mike. <laughs> it all starts. Thanks for that. Yeah. Anytime. Insecure Mike. That's why I'm insecure. So with that said now, now that we got and we still have the uh, covers coming throughout the voting window, yes. um, we are now are going to see what this new voting method is going to do to the slate of potential nominees. Uh, a nice reminder for everyone that if you uh, don't know, the TV Academy voters can only vote for the allotted number of nominees that will be allowed. So instead of voting for as many as they wanted before, which happened, which started happening in 2017, now they're back to a finite number. So eight drama series, eight comedies, eight supporting, about six leads, and depending on number of submissions. So my general, and this is just my theory, because I, you can only theorize in this. Unless you're a top fiver in a category, I feel you're susceptible to a miss because it's not ranked voting. It's just checkbox voting. So passion is really going to help. So that's why, like, for instance, in drama, succession, we know is going to be on a lot of people's ballots. Like, you know, they'll they'll do that. White Lotus probably mm-hmm. on a lot of people's ballots. Last of Us, things like that. But then you get to the six, seven, eight, nine range. I do worry about things like The Crown, Yellow Jackets, House of the Dragon. Could they potentially miss? Sure. They, they totally can. But... You know, how many people really feel that they're willing to give it one of their eight coveted slots? I mean, if it was Emily, Law and Order SVU, Law and Order, uh, regular Law and Order, there's three Law and Orders in the race. They're all, they're all, three of them would get three of them. They are eligible, as are all three Chicago's, just throwing it out there, and all three FBI. So that would be Fire Country. Don't forget, your eight slots are done. Fire Country and Blue Black. Like, guys, it's not hard. I can fill out the ballot very easily. Three law and orders, three Chicago's, and then two FBI's, and then Emily's just done with their ballot. She just submits it. Like, all right, done, guys. I don't know what this is all about. Right, and 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 then the machine that spits it out is like this. Clearly, Chat GBT goes no. This this is a mistake. (laughs) Someone Emily punched the wrong button. (laughs) Listen, I still subscribe to the. The theory that we're law and order is going to get back in. It's going to make a comeback some year soon. It's going to just pop back. It, we I mean, return to things eventually. Mariska Hargate is one powerful woman. I'm just going to yep. say. You never you never know. Well, so you know, with my, that said, my latest positioning was, why don't we have a category that's for shows that are 18 episodes or more? And yeah. then you have a category yeah. where you do have procedurals perhaps come back. Is that? Yeah. But then does Abbott move into that? Yeah, that's Ooh. where it gets tricky. I guess maybe you can decide. What What if you could choose? Well, n- well no, because then I, no, because then I think because then you're giving one side a choice and the other side just does not have a choice. Well, a lot of shows already do get a choice. I mean, you look a- again at uh, Beef and and you know a number of the shows that decided to go limited instead of comedy or drama, and they could have. So well, that that, that th- option is already out there. That also, I think, really begs our our suggestion of having a best new series category because essentially any first season can call themselves a limited series until they come back. Hello, White Lotus, <laughs> or hello, any yeah, Downton Abbey, yeah. Downton Abbey, Big Little Lies. Like, oh, it's one until it's not. So, yeah, I think a best new series category would eliminate that potential. Uh, uh, thing but who knows whatever yeah. um but with that said now drama and or the sci-fi the genre shows genre films also because we broke that teen wolf the movie was submitted making a lot of people happy that so watched teen wolf or watched <laughs> teen wolf at one point um there are a lot of cool choices for the TV Academy to make. And I think we, as a we pundits and we us are really giving them too much <laughs> credit for some of these selections. And I wonder if we're just like, if Andrew is just not going to make it or if last of us is just not going to make be it. Like, Be- that would like Bella, insane. Like Bella, like Bella Ramsey. Like I, I love the idea that Bella Ramsey is going to get nominated. They would be the, 
fourth youngest ever nominated in that category ever. Uh, but also like standing there alongside Amelda Staunton just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, yeah, it I feels mean, I, weird. Those feel like a tale of two different, uh, you know, sort of the last of us permeated the culture. Uh, it, it went, I think, beyond sort of fandom. It went beyond genre. I don't know if Andor did. You know, I think it was big in the the fandom world, in the genre world, but I don't know yeah. if it transcended that. So, um, and with that, I I would agree with you. I I would say I had the same feeling about Mandalorian season one, and then it did what it did. And like I I still argue that Mandalorian nearly won drama series for its first season because like swept the text. And Andor, I think, is going to get a ton of techs. Last of Us, I don't know how it's going to do in the tech race, tech yeah. races. So you just try to build it out. Like, it's going to have more support. Like, I think the acting or or what really going to help uh, Last of Us. I don't feel good about Diego Luna any longer. Like, it came to me today, and I was like, I don't think Diego was going to make it. it yeah, and when, when you talk about Mandalorian, I mean, it was the first. So you, you, there mm. there is that element of first in. And, and now that uh, the, the landscape sort of has many more of these uh, genre shows and and big IP shows. It doesn't feel as sort of revolutionary as it shows, did with Mandalorian. Shows that are in the yeah. Star Wars universe, especially because Mandalorian was the first Star Wars show. Yeah. And so, mm. But but at the same time, Yellowstone was the first Yellowstone show, and 1883. While it it I mean that got a lot more buzz awards wise than Yellowstone did. So yeah. sometimes that doesn't matter. True. True. Yeah. True. This is all part of the theme of today's conversation. We don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> Everything because, is a guess. <laughs> like, like, listen, I also subscribe to the theory, and this actually gives a good transition or talking about, like, like Harrison Ford, the one prediction I've been so bullish about, I'm just going to go down in a blaze of glory if it's wrong, is that Harrison Ford's going to win an Emmy this year for shrinking. Like, I feel so good about that. Like, you cannot convince me otherwise. And I believe I love that. that I believe that, that is the reason why 1923 is about to get some recognition for the Yellowstone universe because I think Harrison Ford is, people are just like oh yeah and again and let's just keep clicking all this uh, stuff and it's going to have an adverse effect with Helen Mirren also part of the Melissa Sutton Bella Ramsey conversation I think uh, we're going to have some westerns in the mix. Well, and then we've got I, Indiana Jones coming out right when people are voting right, as well. I, was, I mean, it is yeah. it is Harrison's world. I was just going to say that he is everywhere. That show is everywhere. I feel like I've seen so many 1923 billboards around town, mm-hmm. but between hit. Yeah. Between Indiana Jones, 1923, he's, we will see him. Just playing devil's when? advocate. We also saw a ton of Yellowstone last year too. Biggest shock yeah. of that morning was Yellowstone complete. Like not even that it got like one or two or three, like it just didn't make, it, it was a shot. Yeah. It was like, no, nothing so i I just you just never know yeah and my guess is maybe with the yellowstone because it had been on for so many years already even though it just become a phenomenon it just it didn't feel fresh in the way that 1883 and now 1923 feel so it's it those are almost the jump in fresh Mm -hmm. so you kind of forget about yellowstone and oh this is a new franchise in 1883 here it is uh in 1923 so and and also by the way those two are on a streaming service Yellowstone is on a linear cable network. That so, not a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. It's not even part of it. And you, and, you, and, you can ca- and you can catch up with it on another streaming platform that doesn't uh, air it. So, yes. Right. It's the confusion <laughs> that, 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 of... Ding, ding, ding. Mike nailed it. That is the big difference. You can jump freshly into 1923 yeah. with no... Uh, and 1923 is... I mean, I don't even think it's arguably. I think that most people would agree if you watch them all. By, I'm not a critic, but by, you know, how we judge TV, 1923 is the best of the three. Of the three? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's the strongest show. I mean, while we all enjoy, I mean, people enjoy Yellowstone, of course, because of certain reasons, but it's definitely the storytelling and the writing is like top notch. Well, I had to step in and moderate a panel for Mike and I hadn't seen it and I couldn't, I planned to watch it across the, the weekend. But, like, I couldn't stop watching it. Like, I think I watched it in, like, two settings at the most. And because it was just so well done. Yeah. Yeah. Jazz, jazz is my hero for, <laughs> for doing that. But for, I do... for, for, bringing up, for bringing up The weekend on a, on a, one of our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Not related to The weekend. Not, uh, yeah. Idol. 
Um, we'll save that conversation for another day. What a time to be alive. Right now <laughs> um, now the dumbest, I... th- real quick, the dumbest thing, though, is I do wonder how much last year the Yellowstone Yellow Jackets confusion went into things. And if it did at all. I know. I, s- I swear to God, I had a... I, I, it's something you almost didn't even want to say out loud. It was like, do you think they just didn't know the title difference? Like, do you think, was it just too similar? And I wonder if that could have been it. And by the way, then that would make us nervous again this year. Cause maybe right. nervous for yellow jackets this time around. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm curious about yellow jackets. I'm curious if it gets any love to be honest, because a lot of people did not like the second season. And while the performances were great again, I just don't, I don't know the drama category is so hard and I just don't know how it is. It makes I, a splash to add to that. And I think this is why I feel like weird about yellow jackets at the moment. They're always, I, I called the, what we do in the shadows last year. Like it got in, I don't think many people were predicting it. We knew that it got nominated once before, but it becomes like the quote unquote lazy pick. Like you just think, Oh, I know I did that before. So I'm just going to do it again. Is that at the handmaid's tale? Like, even though handmaid's tale like, I can't find someone in real life that remembers that that came out this year, but could, but could the handmade sale just be there as the establishment vote? The lazy vote. Yeah. The, the, uh, like, 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 I was like, yeah, like I, want to, I hate saying well, lazy choice, but yeah, yeah lazy it, choice. but, but also I would say sort of the obligatory choice The right. we yeah. know this is an important show. It's saying a lot of things about the society and where we are right now, even though I didn't get a chance to watch the past season, I feel like I, I have a duty to mm. so i wonder if there's a little bit of that and, and that can also too real too real that's um, yes exactly it's now a documentary we've moved into the documentary <laughs> category I, I watch enough news i don't need to watch um speaking of drama and the funny stuff that uh is there we have the comedies the comedy race and i feel and this is where we can all discuss this i feel there's, there's only three viable winners quote unquote Right now, as it stands, as we're looking down June 14th time of recording, uh, it'll be either Abbott Elementary, The Bear, or Ted Lasso. Those feel like the three front runners of three right. I feel good about. Yeah. You can take those to the bank. And then... I feel good about Barry. I feel Barry, I feel good about getting in. A nomination. But, yeah. yeah, nomination. Uh, uh, but Barry's, I feel like Barry's not going to win. Like, no, it, no, it'd, no. Be, it'd be very weird if, if Barry won, that would actually be be would ever, ever happen <laughs> in a while. And then, and then it becomes again, like the what's what, what like broke through. Like Wednesday was widely watched, but also is it widely too cool to vote for? Like, again, it doesn't seem like something. You, you couldn't tell me 10 years ago they would vote for a Wednesday, but I feel like, yeah, I guess they could go Wednesday. I feel, I think, I think you're right. Like, I feel like the older voters, it might be too cool for them. Well, but, um, but what we do in the shadows, I mean, it, once that got in, it's sort of like, well, I guess anything's possible. I, I guess, I guess cool mm-hmm. kind of hip obscure shows can get in. And, you know, that's a good thing, yeah. by the way. But yeah. Sure. That, that still shocks me that with with the older contingency of, of voters that something like that could get in. So anything. I think Maisel will get in. Maisel and murders. Maisel is your obligatory uh, yeah. choice for me. Like that's the one I'm like, okay, like final season. There's no reason to believe that they would stop doing it, but I still think because of the new voting method again that there is a world that it wouldn't be there but i think it's going to be fine because i think it's going to get i think rachel's in i think tony's going to get in i think alex borstein's going to get in so mm-hmm. and amy sherman yeah. valentino's going to get a director nomination again like doubt her at your own peril so i think i think it, the show will be ultimately fine but i do think only murders in the building is susceptible to be a surprise miss i will be so upset if that does not get nominated again, you have to think passion, yeah. passion vote, eight slots, and then we have we, we have seven mentioned shrinking yet, you know, and then right. what we in the shadows is back in the race. The great dropped at the last second. Poker face is popping up all over town here. Yeah. So, mm, time for yeah. that ten slots, Mike, that you proposed. Uh, I mean, ten <laughs> slots would would at least guarantee. I think that shrinking got in. Um, yeah. 
and and poker face. So the, the if, question is now, what doesn't among these? It's. I think last year there was a plus side of um, only murders dropped a little bit earlier their second season. So it was airing. So it was reminding people because when it's this long of a gap, I mean, with the bear, we've seen this long of a gap, but it's kept up momentum and it drops right before like it, and drops, it drops next week. During yeah. voting. So that's a big plus. Whereas this season, the next season of only murders isn't in dropping until August. So voting's over right. So for actually at least phase one. So I think that that's, I guess you're right. I mean, people, we haven't seen only murders in a long time and people may have like it might be like eh, kind of in the back of our minds at this point. As long as they don't move the voting window. Yeah. You mean, well, if, if, I mean, if the Emmys end up uh, being pushed back and I mean, the, the phase two yeah. voting window, but that'll be yeah. phase two. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a real um, possibility, by the way. Yeah. I, I think it's a real possibility. I think, uh, you know, and, and that could benefit a show like only murders uh, because, you know, right. it, it comes back right when that second uh, window starts uh but if the window pushes and we've had a chance to watch more of season three of only murders as long as it's good then that could have a beneficial i mean paul rudd and meryl streep i I would hope so (laughs) i I mean i would hope so i have every confidence in the world yeah i I think i think they're i think they can uh, do that job pretty well and act I think Meryl's. Yeah, uh, I have a good feeling, good feeling good. about about that one. But just to say, just to go with that, Mike, what you're saying, like it, imagine the voting window did move. Like we're talking about Better Call Saul, which we're constant. I'm constantly <laughs> having conversations with people who tell me it's not it's eligible. Didn't we do this last year? And I have to say no. Part two of the final season, it becomes like, and then and then you slap about- them because they're not listening to our podcast. Clearly, I know. And, yeah, and that, what's that, that, that all about? I mean, that's just rude. I mean, rude. <laughs> rude. But yeah, it is really strange that we, are, if if it gets pushed again, we'll be talking about Better Call Saul such a long time after, like the finale aired in August 2022. Like yeah. it's going to be a year ago. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it was a streaming show where it all dropped at one, and we all, you know, it's like that's a long time ago. I mean, think yeah. about it, the bear. The bear, in theory. The season two would be over yeah. and they would be voting on the first season. Right. <laughs> like, right. Be able to differentiate between the two things, which yeah, by the way, could true. weirdly, could weirdly hurt it. Cause you know, right. what if the second season's bad? No, I would say what if, cause listen, the argument has been all through the ether is that the bears not a comedy, which, you know, we got the argument later and, and allegedly he's the season two is probably a little more serious. So what if people are watching, they're like, why is this funny? <laughs> why, why yeah, do like I call I'm this comedy? For comedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, could, it could have a weird effect. Or right. if it's really bad. Or if it's really bad. But I, I, I don't think, think I don't think I it's gonna be not. bad. <laughs> I, I, I've heard I've heard some good stuff. I feel like it's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um so here's a question for all of you. What show do you think maybe was uh, most benefited from the FYC season that maybe had just a, a great campaign? Uh, that really like drummed up some some noise, some support, and and perhaps benefited now as we go into voting. Mm. Mm. Thanks to your awards at HQ, I feel like we've gotten to see so many inside so much of the FYC stuff instead of uh, just just hearing about it on the streets. I I think if I it, like I, I my rule to answer that question was what do I think of first when I think of this FYC season, and the first thing I said was Poker Face. That, I think yeah. I, th- I think Peacock yeah. really like made their mission in life to make sure that we did not forget that the Poker Face came out and that Mrs. Davis was a show on streaming platform. Well, I think and that's a good have- point because Peacock has to do that. They know they they don't have the viewers, so they need yeah. to. Do that. It's very important for them. Yeah, I I I think yeah. them, and then I think I think Wednesday has done a pretty uh, good run. I think the the popping up at my house and scaring my wife was actually probably a really <laughs> effective campaign tactic. That was a really interesting campaign. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will say I, w- I want to Ted Lasso. I feel like Apple did a really good job of, uh, I felt like every other week they had another FYC panel or event or mail or just something that they were doing. So <laughs> kind of helped counterbalance the narrative that the season three was a weaker season uh, and you know the the questions of you know whether or not it you know was the final season 
Uh, if anything, that talk about is it the final season or not, I think got people talking about the show. Then yeah. you combine it with all the different events they did. Uh, I feel like I got so many boxes of biscuits. Uh, I, you know, I, like I do. I do find so many. In a, in a very weird way, I think that conversation has gone on too long. And I think it would actually be better for them to answer it already. Because I think if you say this is Ted Lasso, Ted, his final season, I think you'd start you know, crafting the narrative around that. This is the last time you could vote for Ted Lasso in its current form. It's going to be transitioning into XYZ show moving forward with different, with, with uh, more focus thing or whatever. And I think this question is actually kind of like what, like it's, it, I think it's, it's making people not sure if they really should do it now. Do you think though, that maybe that benefits phase two, because we know it's going to get a nomination in phase one. That, that's, that's without question. So maybe you save some of that and make a big splash in, in phase two. Well, I guess what, I guess the question becomes like, does it, so I think the, the follow-up to that is, does Wabins, if it misses some key races, like what if it doesn't get in for writing? or misses directing or something. Cause when you miss start missing like key spots, right, then right. you have to like, then you have your back against the wall. Um, I, I will say that the, the, um, you are right that like, they probably feel like maybe we can hold that for phase two, but also I think the general consensus as a general, like really general that the first half of the season was rougher. And then sunflowers episode on is when it came alive. So, I think if depending on where those where you fall in that, there, it is susceptible to like some key, like I, like I feel good about Brett Goldstein, right? He's gonna make supporting actor, mm-hmm. yeah. but is there someone else gonna be with him? Some people keep right. telling me Phil Dunster, who's never gotten in before, and I, I'd say maybe you're right, but maybe you're not because maybe he just doesn't make it. And is it just Hannah? And then people say, oh, but Juno has a really good ladder season episode. But what if you abandon ship already by that? point i just right. i think those talking points help down the road i think that that's a really good point i think that but i also think what mike said is about it not being the strongest season and them really pushing hard is something we've seen a lot in in fyc season this year i think yellow jackets is a really big example of that because it wasn't yeah. second season wasn't as strong and i feel like i've seen them really campaigning really out there i feel really like hard, yeah. has been at every event like that woman is is putting in the work i think like we've really seen simone kessel join the cast this year really everywhere she's been doing jazz talked to her 10 times i <laughs> i just think that it's it really they've really pushed yeah. it I christina mean, it, ricci christina has been everywhere yeah and yeah, like but especially that, that, that picture writers. of Melanie Linsky, by the way, with the sunglasses with Natasha, I think we oh got her that nomination. God. We locked it up for her. Actually, yeah, truly. Yeah. Truly. I think that that's it's almost again, because the writer strike and the FYC panels were less writer heavy, it showed in a way some casts like really stepped up and were like, we're gonna be there because our writers can't be. And it was something that we saw with yellow jackets, I would say for sure. Yeah. So yeah. with that said, by the way, because we we're talking about comedy. What do you guys think about jury duty? Because there's it, there was a swell. I, I I can't tell you if it was big enough to make a difference, but I'm just looking at a little freebie show there, and I'm like, maybe like maybe that's going to be the shocker that we go oh like sure like I, I guess the, in Paris. The, the big question is going to be: Are enough people going to know where it is? Right. Yeah. Like what that's my is, worry. It, is it a comedy? Yeah. Is it a reality show? Like where am I voting for this? And can I vote for Ronald or not? And it's still yeah, not clear. Which you cannot vote for Ronald. Right. right. My, like right. My, my, parents, my parents like had heard about Jury Judy because they saw James Marsden doing press, but then they were like, "Where do I? Why I, I can't I get that? Where do I watch it? Like they didn't understand. The like, in general, it's a hard. That's a very good point, Mike. I feel like that could hurt because people aren't sure. Did you tell them that it was the best thing James Marsden has ever done in his life? <laughs> like it's clear. <laughs> like it is the best thing he's ever it done. Is. <laughs> is. He is. Uh, it's, it sort of reminds me also uh, and and so i was referring to where to vote for it but you're right also about where to oh, watch it yeah um mm. but both, because both points. yeah so so yeah, that's two strikes against it uh because the thing that i worry about <laughs> going to another like you know i loved weird you know me i love my weird al but i still run into people all the time who are in the industry who should know better who still are like well i haven't watched it because i don't have roku and then you have to remind, explain to people, no, you don't have to have a Roku. You can <laughs> download the Roku app. And these are people who should know, but yeah. 
it's still yeah. not clear to people. There, there so. are people who believe that that is a Paramount movie for some reason. Like I get that a lot that people are like, oh, they're watching right. Paramount Plus. I'm like, no, it's not that. Yeah. But sure. Um, interesting with that, which is a good transition now to limited series where there's gonna be a lot of weird things there. No pun intended. Not weird, but not, not weird. <laughs> that's in TV movie with Beavis and Butthead do the universe. And if there's a just world man. Beavis and is going to get that first Emmy nom. It's going to be such a good day for America. <laughs> that would be amazing. You. Such a good day. <laughs> um, is Paul T. Goldman getting kicked out of Doc into Limited, but Documentary Now getting kicked out of Scripted Variety into Limited. Limited has 47 submissions yeah. that I'm counting right That's now. That's insane. That's Which just is, become the grab bag category of like, well, let's stick it in limited. Everything's what, a limited yes. series. What? What an uninterest. Like in the in our decade that we were like, all the best stuff is happening in limited series and anthology. Now it's like, oh, like okay, this is this is it. We're gonna get five nominees. It's gonna it's, and I think it's gonna be very top heavy. I think I think Beef Blackbird Dahmer feel the best uh, in terms of getting recognition. Fleischman probably soft four, and then I think you're between like Daisy jones love and death and maybe a small light because that really hit at the last like, yeah yeah i feel weeks. like that's that's I would say FYC season a small light really been going hard during fyc also mm-hmm. they, they pounce yeah. they pounce really good do you yeah. think george and tammy misses then george uh, could make it too but again that becomes your question of like I, I need you to provide me someone that isn't in our industry that watched George and Tammy and I cannot find a like a regular person. Yeah, I don't see it getting but I don't see the show getting nominated. I see Jessica getting nominated because everyone but, loves but, that. But, but yeah. to that point, I I've kind of applied it like well if multiple like if my if you think Michael Shannon's gonna get in too, then you're like, okay, you think it's popular enough that those two are getting in, so why wouldn't you think the series okay. would? So yeah. I think that's why it's definitely on the bubble. But Daisy Jones, to that effect, I like listen i want it so bad for her but like i'm like does riley really make it i don't know and i like okay right. like, i almost don't want to predict it because i don't want to be upset when she misses and i can just say that she she missed and i knew it but you know daisy where else does daisy get in outside of that it, it becomes a hard discussion yeah i mean music i mean like i would yeah be furious. I would be that, really furious. Like, you were so mad if there's that music. Like can at least imagine? a minimum. Can you imagine? Like if I, I can. Hit, I can. Oh my god. I can. Yeah, that's that's true. terrible. I'm about striking it. outside the TV academy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Emily and I will join the strike. Yeah, and like, a, we want the stubs and surprise oh story writes itself. Yeah, like, it would be. It would be disgusting. But yeah, because like because what's interesting, Rachel Vice and Emily Blunt are also on the bubble for two shows that I think isn't really going to get anything else outside of them because dead ringers and the English are just not very watched, no. but also harder watches dead ringers, like go, go with Jesus there. But Rachel Vice is fantastic in it. So yeah. yeah but which... To your point about, sorry, Mike, about the English, like I remember when she got nominated for a SAG, it was like, wait, people are actually watching this. And 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 that's why people feel good about predicting her because a lot of our predictions really did look at SAG. That's why Jessica's really in the conversation because we were like, okay, she won SAG, so I guess like exactly. you could definitely yeah. get in. People love yeah. Jessica Chastain, like they everyone do. loves her. I moderated and a Q&A she has been pushing. She, I've moderated. We've all moderated with her. We've all done it. Yeah, has done more press than literally the entire cast of um yellow jackets i would say yellow or yellowstone i guess we'll say because yellow jackets <laughs> yellow those are 97 yellow jackets to bring into yeah, town but jessica <laughs> well, was also to be fair to her like she was also like in the middle of broadway when you and i were moderating her like emily like she'd fly in on a monday or sunday she night was, after she was show. a tony nominee yeah. she did do a three, q a she did three panels in three cities in one day the, the day i moderated yeah. she got a jet and went to three ones and had to be on broadway the next night it's crazy like, yeah and by the way i will like the the flip side of who benefited the most from fyc i think who actually was hurt the most uh is yellowstone because they probably did the most example of announcing that talent was going to be at certain things or promising yeah. talent that never came through. Yeah. So all, yeah. all the podcasts that were canceled, all the panels that were canceled, all the events where originally the talent was going to be there, and oops, they're suddenly not. No, I will yeah. driving to Paley Fest and <laughs> getting there, and then getting the tip sheet, having all of, there's like three actors I've never heard of on the list when the entire <laughs> cast is supposed to come. Yeah. It's not yeah. great. 
Not yeah. a great. Which, by, which, by the way, which which would make it hilarious that they like stepped into it and then the show actually gets nominated this year. Yeah. Can you imagine? But like, but honestly, Gosser finally gets in. Yeah. yeah. But if it doesn't, then that will be one of the reasons why. Is, yeah. is, well, is, also, yeah. all the negative news around it, I think, is also hurting it. I mean, yeah. a lot of negative, not just that it's, you know, ending or whatever, but I mean, we were already supposed to see the rest of season five and they haven't even started filming it yet. And so long before there was a strike, there was they weren't even on set because they can't figure things out with Kevin Costner. So it's such a mess that I think that they've that's definitely hurt them. All right, so next week, I think we all come armed with our pleas. Our final sort of push to Academy members, please consider these shows, maybe that are a little under the radar, ones that we've been championing or or would love to see that maybe are long shots, but nonetheless should still be there. So, uh, you know, again, Emily will come talking about the Chicago show. But beyond that, <laughs> we'll... We'll all have and should all my of... challenge be to it can't be a Dick Wolf show? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your challenge yeah. is it can't, about, have, you get it can't be letters. You get it can't be letters. One Dick Wolf show? Okay. There, yeah. there can't just be like a letter show. It has to be words. So no Mad PD or Fire. <laughs> no, no. Have to, it can't be abbreviated. That's me. An actual sentence. No NCIS. Can we end on this last uh, question? And this is the million dollar question. Yeah. How many succession actors are going to get nominated across the board? All. It would really be a bit easier to say which who's not going to get nominated. Do 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 you, I, like I don't like I'm very I am feeling I don't even want to say it. I, don't I think know there's Frank a, gets in. I would say I weirdly don't I think there's a shot that Jeremy Strong doesn't make it. Wow. <laughs> it's one of those like that's crazy crazy. but wait can can i explain why though because again six slots you are i think i I don't know if like they think this way but if you're going down you're like am i gonna really vote for three succession guys okay maybe i will but maybe you feel very passionate that kieran gave the best performance of the season spoiler alert he did right then maybe you look at Brian Cox, right? And then you might say, like, hey, you weren't in a lot of the season. Or maybe you, like, just want to reward his run as Logan Roy. But in terms of the character that is Kendall Roy, he definitely was a backseat to the season. And I wonder if he just does, like, it, he's not just, I have to check that box. And I just think that there is a world, including we're going to have Pedro Pascal, Bob Odenkirk, uh, Patty Considine, maybe is that how you say his name? I think, uh, yeah. you know, you know, also vying for those six slots. I think there's a world that maybe a succession boy doesn't make it. So I'm just okay. putting that into the either. So I think a lot of people have Jay predicted. I feel she could miss because she kind of fell off the, the show, like after Logan dies in episode three. Right. And it's like, spoiler alert. Good. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, if you don't know by now, I'm sorry. Yeah. But like I feel like I mean, look, I personally feel like she was done dirty. It's like what happened to Jerry? Kind of like she just disappears and doesn't become anything. Um so like with the crown with White Lotus, I feel she could miss. I mean, I I could see that. I think there there is a lot of goodwill for Jay Smith Cameron, so that that could benefit her in, in the, the kind of the Brian Cox way, but on the flip side, I wouldn't be surprised. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if either Jason Smith Cameron or Brian Cox didn't make it because you're right. In both cases, they sort of were waylaid, especially by midseason. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jason Smith Cameron, by the way, in her category, we may get the oldest woman ever nominated for acting in history this year, Miss Carol Burnett. I would love yeah, that. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I think she's going to get in. Yeah. And by the way, the second oldest I'm also predicting to get nominated in guest comedy actress, Shirley MacLaine. We have, ah. we, it is the year of our our vets are making a comeback and let's do it. This there is, this is Emily music. She's waiting for her Sam Waterston run to start. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, right. Harrison Ford gets in there, guys. There you go. Twice. <laughs> Twice. There you go. Our greatest generation continues. <laughs> All right, well, we will uh, catch you again next week uh, as we get knee-deep in the voting. So, till then, see you guys all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, kids.
After the break, the crown star, Elizabeth Debicki. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Michael Schneider. Season 5 of Netflix's historical drama The Crown covers Peter Morgan's reimaginations of some of the most polarizing experiences endured by the royal family in the 90s. The season highlights the inevitable downfall of Princess Diana and Prince Charles, who we know is now King Charles, marriage defined by a slew of alleged affairs and that infamous revenge dress heard around the world. Do you think you ever be queen? I'd like to be a queen of people's hearts, in people's hearts. But I don't envisage myself ever being queen of this country. No. I don't think many people will be calling for that. When I say people, I mean those at the top on my husband's side, because they've decided that I'm an issue. Full stop. A liability. But someone's got to go out onto the streets, give people the love that they need. Your Royal Highness, thank you. Elizabeth Debicki reveals she went through a psychological journey to encapsulate the essence of Diana that Morgan intended to evoke in contrast to an exact replication of the former Princess of Wales. The pressure of playing a fictionalized version of the People's Princess was something that Debicki felt and hadn't realized the weight of ahead of that project. Morgan's depiction of Diana is one that Debicki highlights as a very organic and authentic side of the late princess. Variety's Adam B. Very recently spoke to Debicki about the research that went into the role and capturing the voice of the Princess of Wales. They began by noting that Debicki had actually been circling the role since season two. They'd cruelly planted the seed that haunted me for years, yes. Yeah. So once once the role was officially yours, right. uh, what was the very first thing you did to prepare? Well... It's it's a while back now, and it's hard for me to. It was a it was, it was a kind of really unusual, unusually unusually long. This is hard. English <laughs> is hard for me today. Unusually, and I ate lunch. Unusually long road to uh, begin that first step. So mm-hmm. the whole thing is kind of all kind of cloudy and full of memories for me but I guess I I probably and also we were delayed by a year as well so it was an extended road Mm -hmm. to the beginning to the first time I cracked a book open or you know but probably I would say um, I was in Australia it was COVID time and I'd say that like official first step was that I spoke to this fabulous woman named Annie, who is the head of the research department on The Crown. Mm -hmm. That would have been the most official kind of step, you know, the one where I felt like I had begun a collaboration with The the Crown, um, as opposed to me just sort of being neurotic or reading things or walking around in circles or, or watching Emma or doing my own kind of little... Because it's also this funny thing as an actor where you think there is such a thing as pacing and you need to make sure for me it's always this funny mysterious dance of timing like how how soon do you want to be ready mm-hmm. and you don't want to be ready too soon especially if it's a long road and a long job you know so sometime in 2020 i i called annie and we had a zoom and uh she said to me i remember she's a new yorker and she's fab and really straightforward and she said how much do you want and i said uh I mean, I want everything, obviously, you know, like a very good student. And she went, okay. And then uh, this massive, like, FedEx thing, like, landed on my doorstep in Australia. And it was just this enormous amount of printed material and books. And and that's probably, that was probably my first step. I remember thinking what I need to do is, my understanding of The Crown has always been that it is the framework that Peter kind of, builds the imaginative world on is quite 
structurally sound, is quite mm-hmm. factually sound in terms of events, dates, da da da. So if you read the archival documents that Annie sends you, you get a sense of like, oh, this is what season five is going to cover. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the content is in a way. So that's what I, I did. I got my highlighter out. So you said once before that you you took time to it took you time to understand that what you're bringing is your interpretation of Peter Morgan's interpretation mm. of Diana as a person. So how did <laughs> that's sort of like a, a hat on a hat on, in a, in a yeah. way? How did you how did that work for you? There's so many hats. It's kind of a really unusual, a multi-layered thing. The the psychological kind of journey around ownership of the role, it was Mm -hmm. so much more complex than anything I've ever experienced because usually it's sort of between you and the script, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And you think, oh, well, I have license. And that's kind of the glorious bit of being an actor because so many other things can be so full of doubt and and you can question so much, but you don't usually question the license you feel of the character. And and this was um, this was different, you know. Not only not only is it understanding coming to understand that it's Peter's interpretation and that he is crafting the journey of the character, um, not which is always what a writer is doing, but it's not um, the you know. Talking of all that, speaking of all that archival research, it's like the breadth of it, the scope of it was so wide and, and like endless. You know, I could just, and I did fall down so many rabbit holes. And uh, you think, well, how on earth do I encompass this? And how am I ever going to understand all these things that would make up a human being? And uh, so then when, when the script landed in my lap, I thought I did feel a huge amount of relief because... It had been sculpted already. It had been sort of carved. All of that sort of massive information had he'd carved through that and created this this pathway. But of course, there's also the other really interesting layer of, of working on the show, which is that you're you've watched a brilliant actor play this part before you, and then this sort of baton pass happens, and that's a whole and that's a whole other layer of information, you know. And that's also another layer of how do I make this my my own you know and yeah it's really yeah one of the things that people have and i have said is uncanny and i felt was uncanny was your your capturing her voice mm. uh how long did it take to get to that to find her voice and what do you what do you did you do to get there physically um it took me a really long time um that was one of the things that I became kind of really fixated and obsessive about. Um, I was actually still in Australia, and uh, I started working with um, William Conacher as the head of the dialect department, and he has a lot of uh, two really great assistants. And um, and I was working with Nick, one of his assistants, quite diligently, to the point where I remember actually being on vacation, and this is a true story, I was like up a lighthouse in Australia with my boyfriend, like, look at the sea, you know, and they looked at my watch. I was like, we have to get home. I have a dialect session in like 30 minutes. <laughs> he was like, we're on vacation. Um, I was extremely diligent about it because I felt like um, it was something I owed the audience, that accuracy, mm-hmm. that kind of sonic accuracy. And mm-hmm. I think the voices of these characters are so, of the real people that the character is based on, is so imprinted in our kind of collective consciousness. Unlike, you know, there are a lot of iconic voices, you know, Mm -hmm. and she had one of them. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I have to do this justice and I have to give the audience that kind of um, audio kind of payoff. And, And also within that voice is an enormous amount of psychological information that I was able to kind of mine and figure out. But there's a lot of kind of like physical kind of... uh, um, I'm not going to give the secrets away because a magician never reveals. But uh, there were some some kind of physical, physiological kind of shifts I have to make, very muscular shifts. Um, And then, of course, there's like the entire dialect, which is... um, But, yeah, voices are fascinating. An entire sort of the story of a person exists and where they place the voice, how they use um, their words and the melody and the rhythm. And, yeah. So... If I were to ask you as a follow-up, if there was like a sort of 
like a skeleton key, like phrase or, or word that you used to get yourself into the voice? It, sh- that, it actually shifted. Um, in the beginning, it was, it was um, accent drills that are nonsense and, you know, your dialect coach often creates them for you because there's just the repeating mm-hmm. vowel sound in the sentence. So the sentence is always ridiculous and very amusing for anyone driving in the car with you. But um, eventually it shifted towards actually the some phrases from the Panorama interview because there was something about where the voice was sitting at that point that felt... Because there's a bit of a kind of time jump for me in season five. It's quite early in the 90s in the beginning and then there's a few episodes that pass without Diana featuring and then we kind of pick up with her again in sort of like 95. And so... I guess I kind of unconsciously did a bit of a vocal time jump as well. And Panorama mm-hmm. seemed to, first of all, there's a lot of it to listen to. And uh, there's a tremendous amount of, um, again, like psychological information in the voice there. So That, you know, that sort of gets to what I wanted to kind of, I'm, I'm curious, there's the public Diana, mm-hmm. the Diana... The, and there's you know endless examples of that to ref, uh, as reference I'm, I'm I'm sure for you, mm-hmm. but then the scripts also have this private Diana mm-hmm. that was you know you know a, I'm sure an amalgamation of of Peter's interpretation of what he thinks might have happened, other maybe accounts of possibly conversations that might have happened, or mm-hmm. at least that we know in some form or fashion did happen. Mm-hmm. Was your process different at all between capturing the things that you know people are going to have in their own memories of Diana versus these private moments that are essentially, at least for in the context of the show, for the audience, our first time kind mm-hmm. of seeing them? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's. I mean, it's really interesting to try and sort of break it down because it was all happening very unconsciously for me but I suppose like in a in a really simplistic way there are certain moments in the show where you as the actor understand it's your responsibility to do a we can't we kind of avoid the word recreation um but I guess a kind of mirroring of a moment whether it's something like panorama or or the revenge dress moment or even just kind of a kind of vague approximation of like Diana at an event or and so those things as you said there's just so much footage to watch and so that task was perhaps more technical for me which I also really enjoyed it's a super satisfying process to have enough time to kind of by osmosis, absorb somebody's kind of physicality and trying to understand the map of the body. And da, da, da. and so that was probably, I would say, just more technical, mm-hmm. more outside in. And then the imaginative moments were, they don't have a map for us. They, mm-hmm. There's no blueprint. So we, you know, then I kind of do, I guess I was doing something a little bit more, quote unquote traditional like here's the script here's a scene what do you want to do with it you know this is what the writer has written and now you you and the director create the the kind of reality or the truth of it um and i and i suppose in those moments they were also very very important for me as the actor to like it's always the case you know i've as an actor i've always loved they always feel like a gift from the writer when it's like well here's a scene where you don't have to say anything um, you're alone and you decide what it is you need to say about the character in this mm-hmm. moment in their journey. Mm-hmm. And they're always like, I always love them. Like they feel very luxurious for me to sort of think, oh, I get I get to decide what color I paint with. And, and this is the thing that needs to be added to the puzzle of this person at this moment. And I guess I just sort of probably used them to add things that I felt I needed to say about Mm her. Um, Like, for instance, and I think maybe, you know, I know definitely in season six and the beginning as well, because there's so much time with the boys in that, but um, I, you know, I, one of the things that became really quickly apparent to me in doing my research was, and, and talking to people who knew her very well and intimately and in all different kind of, um, parts of life was just this like vivid joy and really wicked sense of humor and all this um, 
just kind of just this ferocious sort of love of life. Mm. And I remember thinking, I have to, in every opportunity, find a way to, whenever it presents itself as the act, you know, to find a way to thread that in. And and uh, because obviously there's a lot of the story that focuses on the the loneliness. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a moment in I think episode nine between Charles and Diana where he comes after the sort of divorce has essentially been finalized and he comes over to he kind of finds himself showing up at her doorstep. And they there's just this wonderful, heartbreaking, extended conversation with them where they kind of do a, a postmortem on their marriage. Mm-hmm. And she has a line that just always struck me as so if for me anyway as an audience member really informative of diana which was i didn't marry into a family i married into i married a man Mm -hmm. because i was in love with him Mm -hmm. that i took that as a sort of you know a a core element of the way peter morgan's trying to present diana in the Mm -hmm. show What, what did that line mean for you i think that that would be accurate that would also be my read and and uh i think just trying just a, a sort of his diner always seems to me to be a human being who's trying to kind of claw their way to something that felt um, organic mm-hmm. and authentic in a system that wasn't allowing for kind of authentic expression of of who you are as an individual and 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 he always seems to write her as, a, as somebody who very much understood the duty that was involved once she sort of had become ensconced in the family and and did her job in my humble opinion exceptionally well mm-hmm. but and it is a job it is a hard job but um but also was looking for avenues of connection and and uh, and and communication that was honest and and direct you know and i think that directness was the way Peter writes it is is kind of constantly at odds with the way that the rest of the family are speaking, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just just I, I would say that that somehow encapsulates so much of that dynamic. You're completely done with season six. Uh, uh, I believe so. Yes, I, I I'm pretty sure I wrapped like two weeks ago. I say pretty sure because um, you never know because there's always pickups and things, but. I think so. Did did <laughs> did shooting for season six uh, overlap with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three at all? It didn't overlap. Um, there, it went in the middle. It went smack bang in the middle of the two seasons. The, Aisha in in the Guardians movies. I, I can't imagine for you a character more different than Diana. Was that a sort of nice place to kind of go back, like to return to as a sort of seesaw back? There. Yeah, well, because obviously also the Aisha character, I think I'd, you know, I can't remember. There was a long hiatus between shooting two mm-hmm. and three. Mm-hmm. So it had been maybe like five years since I've done, you know, and I honestly had to kind of look it up and go, what did I do? And then it was, it's so funny. I was like, oh my God, what was I doing? <laughs> I just absolutely like feasted on that. It was just so ridiculous. But it was very fun for me to be, um, you know, to, to just kind of, revisit something Mm -hmm. and um she's so camp like she's so arch (laughs) and like just you know i absolutely just read that went "Mm -hmm, i know what to do with that and then um just created a a kind of stereotype i don't know a queen i mean both both sort of royal i guess but um and and this one i suddenly have like a fully grown child played by will poulter who's a charming human and very very funny and I also, I was talking to a journalist yesterday, I also had somebody to be, because the gold paint is not super comfortable. I but suddenly imagine. I had like someone to be miserable with. So we had a very good time together. <laughs> we laughed a lot. Uh, how much are you in season six? I mean, not to not to put too fine a point on this, but we obviously know what yeah. was going to happen in season six. Yes. So h- how much are you in, in that season? I feel a significant amount. But <laughs> 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 just leave it there. Um, how did you watch the coronation? I watched a catch up because I was here in LA shooting and, and um, I, it was, I was really, I had a really sort of strange, you know, I'm Australian. So I, but I've lived in London for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and uh, my partner's there at the moment. And about like a day a day before the coronation, I said to him, "Well, what are you, what are you doing for the coronation?" And he was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "What?" Well, are people coming over for tea? He was like, why would anyone come over for tea? I was like, well, you must invite Chris for tea. He was like, I want to do no such thing. And then I got really panicked about missing it. It was quite interesting. And and um, I, I was shooting really late that night. I think we wrapped at like one in the morning. And I was like calculating. I was like, can I stay awake for another three hours? And, um, and then, and I didn't. And then I watched the, like a catch-up rerun with my friends here in LA and I was furious that they like um <laughs> I saw like a tray like it was like they started doing the the catch-up which did go for like an hour but then it was like they were running through the highlights at the beginning and I was like what are they doing it's like I'm seeing everything <laughs> and I was like what wow this is so interesting my my reaction to um feeling the need to experience that i guess i have lived in england for a very long time yeah and i've made this show for a few years so i was gonna so has did you feel like your relationship to the royal family and how you sort of view them changed at all having made the show i guess inevitably it has to shift because like i said as an aussie like i our relationship to the royal family is kind of ambiguous i would say some people are like very against the idea some people kind of sit in a sort of apathetic kind of ballpark um but there's no doubt that being close to well just just having the knowledge i have now Mm -hmm. of what that life entails and the complexity of the structure and the weight of the responsibility and frankly how difficult it is to kind of um kind of impossible to to be both a human being with a complete sort of personal inner life mm-hmm. and and be that gazed upon and and judged is just an extraordinarily difficult thing to endure i think as a human yeah. so my understanding of that is def my my compassion and empathy for that is definitely very high. Have you had any interactions with anyone from the royal family? I don't know if they'd want to meet me now. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Um, that's a funny question to me. I always think, oh God, no, I think if I saw them, I'd like curtsy and run away. But um, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. No, <laughs> but I am in LA, so no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how do you feel like your conception of Diana as a person has changed uh, since you've now played her for two seasons? Well, I'd say I had a very vague understanding um, being the age I am and growing up in Australia. Because you were you were uh, like a, a child I when she died. I was seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of admired from afar. On a really basic level, I always just thought, wow, what a beautiful, like luminous individual. Mm-hmm. And what a tragic loss for her children and her family and the entire world. I never really understood um, what was lost in Mm -hmm. a way because I hadn't Mm -hmm. really, in my living memory, experienced the impact that she had on the public. And so I guess it's an, it's changed enormously. It's, I mean, it's very usual for an actor to be very connected, I guess, and, and love the character that they play, but... It's kind of to to spend any time learning about this person and tr- attempting to kind of embody a space that they lived in and my respect and kind of and and I, I'm and I feel that I've she's taught me a lot. It's it's kind of funny thing to talk about and I always feel like it sounds very esoteric and I don't mean it to sound really like that. It's just that I think that she lived her life with an enormous amount of courage and with a very strong um, love ethic. She mm-hmm. really loved deeply and she needed to be loved in a way that I don't know she ever really found. Mm-hmm. And um, and her love for her children and, you know, I don't think you could be sort of circling around that and not feel moved by but also kind of like re-examine your own life and and think 
there is so much to be learned about what this person was learning as, yeah. as they went through their life. And I remember reading very early on, you know, a quote that's attributed to her saying, you know, if you, if you love somebody, don't, yeah, I'm going to paraphrase it badly, but this, uh, the essence of it is if you love somebody, don't, don't let that go. You know, you have to mm-hmm. fight for that. And it sounds like a really simple thing to say, but something that is not always the priority or the thing that we sort of prioritize in life. We're so, we can become so distracted by other kind of, um, you know, value systems or whatever. And I just feel very, very fortunate to have gotten in contact with that mm-hmm. part. Yeah. Do you think you, you know, when you embody somebody like this who was so public and so you have to sort of subsume so much of them as, as you clearly did, mm-hmm. Do you think, or do you even want to sort of be kind of shed her as you move on in your career? I think it's important for actors to do that because we have to kind of go and do do other things and play other people. But um, I, I've thought about this a lot. You know, there, there was a, without a doubt, there was a heaviness and a kind of weight to playing this. Mm-hmm. And that took a toll on me. So... Toward the end, I was ready to kind of think, okay, I need to find a way to release some of this because it's kind of mm-hmm. swamping my psyche and my body, just my physical body as well. There's a lot of sadness and a lot. It's a very kind of very unique experience playing a character that you know this tragedy is is sort of looming and you are playing against it as an actor at times, but you are also just carrying that somehow you know Mm -hmm. this inevitable loss and it's so it's 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 a strange quite heavy place to exist in and i was ready to um release some of that and um but i think like i was just saying before there are definite there are definite kind of i just keep saying to people i'm going to keep the good bits the bit you know the bits Mm -hmm. that have really taught me something i'm definitely going to keep those that's elizabeth debicki You can catch The Crown Season 5, now streaming on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as a daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Logaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. <laughs>